0: Hello and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay United Methodist Church. We think it's important not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, please visit our website fvumc.org for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel you can enjoy the venue with us which is a worship service crafted for community online or you can join our live in-person services online at 10:10 for our contemporary 11:15 for our traditional. if you'd like to worship in person with us we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everyone, it's great to be together with you today. Uh, We're continuing a conversation that we started last week uh, on confession and repentance, what it is and is not. Uh, If you were with us last Sunday or on Ash Wednesday uh, in worship, these things will not sound unfamiliar to you, but I thought it might be helpful to just go over a couple of things that we named uh, last week that will be helpful for our time together Uh, what confession is and is not. First of all, confession is not coercion. God isn't holding us hostage until we confess or else. That's not what God is doing. But confession is a gift from God. It's a tool uh, that invites God's grace to be at work in our lives so that we can be freed, right? Unburdened from the things uh, that hold us hostage and that weigh us down. Uh, Second, we're not confessing to just any God, but we confess to a merciful God, When we think about our posture in confession as one of contrition or penitence or humility, we also have to remember that God's posture towards us is one of mercy so that we can have confidence um, when we confess in God's forgiveness for us. And then third, uh, the telos, the outcome, the end, the point, the purpose of confession is not shame. It's shalom. It's wholeness and fullness of life. Confession begins the process of inviting the grace of God to kind of root those things in us out so that we can be made new. Uh, We're not living half-hearted love for God and for neighbor, uh, but we can live wholehearted lives on the other side of it. Uh, This is what we believe um, confession is all about. Last week, we talked about that move from being half-hearted to wholehearted, loving God with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind. We prayed um, words from a prayer that we're going to return to every week. Going to kind of got to guide us through this Lenten season. It's a prayer of confession that we pray together as a community of faith every time we get together for communion, whether that's monthly or weekly. Um, and last week, the line was, uh, Merciful God, we have not loved you with our whole heart. This week, the second line, which we'll be kind of focusing in on, says, We have failed to be an obedient church. So I'd be curious for you to consider for just a moment what you think you might mean if you were praying that line, that prayer of confession. We're going to actually come back and and pray it uh, together in just a little bit. Um, If you want to see the whole text of that prayer, uh, we'll have a a link up for you where you can go and find that in our uh, weekly uh, sort of reflection guide that we will pair uh, with today's message. Um, I think for me, like thinking about last week, um, you know, your heart is something that's very personal and interior to us. When our heart is not as it should be, we tend to know that, right? Um, maybe that's a real thing. Like we have AFib, our heart is not as it should be. But, uh, but it, it, it's a metaphor of talking about a lot of things that are internal and interior to us. But then when we shift to the second line and we say our church is not as it should be, we as a church are not as we should be, we tend to think of that as like an external thing church is a place we go. It's a thing that we do. It's something that we consume or it's a place that we serve. It's it's not us. It's a thing that we interact with. Um, and I go back to this, uh, like an old children's song. I think I learned it in maybe like our two-year-old Sunday school class with Miss Crawford. Uh, it was a song, uh, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All of God's people all around the world, yes, we are the church together sometimes we want to think about church as this external thing but really uh, we are the church it's a very personal thing for us right uh, when I started trying to answer this question for myself I immediately made it an external thing I, and I think about church a lot right um uh you know uh, that church has failed to be an obedient church this church is good that church disobedient right or like I'm a good church person but those church people are problematic like I always want to confess on somebody else's behalf that's not it's not how confession works. Like you're in a courtroom and someone from the, you know, the audience in the back stands up and it's like, I plead guilty on his behalf. Like that, you may believe he's guilty. He may be guilty, but you don't have the right to plead guilty on somebody else's behalf. That's not how confession tends, tends to work, right? So what, what do we mean when we say we have failed to be an obedient church? There's lots of places that I felt like I could turn. Um, I, I think about uh, the book of Discipline. Um, for the United Methodist Church that defines what a church is, refers to the local church as the most significant arena uh, through which disciple-making occurs. We're a community of true believers. We're a community under the lordship of Christ. We're a community under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. We exist for the maintenance of worship through the power of the Spirit, the edification of believers, the redemption of the world. There's a lot of places we could kind of mine out in that definition, right? We could talk about how so often we let our politics get in the way of our practice, our Christian practice. We could talk about how church tends to uh, make big things out of little things and little things out of the big stuff, the important stuff. Or how we sometimes elevate the important people over those that we deem not important, Right? which seems a very un-Jesus-y thing. There's a lot of places that we could turn. But for me, today, I would like to turn to... to answer that question for myself, like just to kind of pull back the curtain and let you know what later when we pray it together, what I'll be what I'll be thinking about um, is some of Jesus's words. Um, uh, we hear them a lot, uh, but here it's in Matthew chapter nine, and I want you to hear the the, the sentiment of Jesus, uh, the attitude of Jesus, and the words around it. Um, chapter nine, verse thirty-five. When Jesus went about, then Jesus went about to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, curing every disease, healing every sickness. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And that word's got like some like deep guttural sort of connotations, right? Um, his heart was stirred, his, his, his stomach flipped over, right? He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. There's work to be done, friends. Um, We hear this phrase uh, quite a bit in the New Testament, talking about Jesus, his compassion for the crowds. And always it seems connected with an invitation for his disciples to go and shepherd the sheep right in his way, uh, in his image, in the way that Jesus would do it. This uh, passage, uh, this uh, this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, it's actually, it's an Old Testament passage, uh, a phrase. Um, at the very beginning, when it gets used, Moses asks God to send a new leader so that the family of God, the Israelites in the wilderness, aren't like sheep without a shepherd. We hear the prophets uh, on behalf of God speaking this line over and over again, God regularly seeing God's family. Uh, like sheep that have been scattered on the hilltops, that are harassed, that are being devoured. At one point in time, God says, "The shepherds that I sent are the ones that are devouring the sheep." God says, "I'll come myself. I'll be their good shepherd." Enter Jesus. Right. So it's no wonder that we use this phrase: Jesus is God's answer uh, to that that promise that I will send, I will come myself, I will be a good shepherd for my people. At our very best, at our very best, church is a family, not a family bound together. Um, by DNA, but a a, a family tree full of crazy people bound together by something far greater than the strength of our differences. We're a family not related by, by our blood, but by the blood of Jesus, right? And God is always concerned when God's family is scattered like sheep without a shepherd. And so we see Jesus over and over again sending his disciples to go and shepherd the crowds, the people who are scattered. And in this season, when I step forward to confess, my, my heart is broken. When I say the church is not as it should be, um, I, I mean that in two ways. The first is I have friends, uh, many friends who are scattered. Um, you may or may not know this, but in 2012, my wife and I were a part of a group of fantastic folks um, who started a new church. And when we did, I, I think we conceived of it as something we were doing like an external thing. But over the process of that time, we sort of inadvertently created a family of God. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing uh, for reasons that are too complicated to go over while we're together today. Um, through the midst of the pandemic, um, we decided that that church uh, is not something that could should continue on uh, as a church in the sort of traditional sense of the word. Um, and I got like four or 500 friends now without a church, right? Just sheep scattered all over Kerry. Uh, some of them have found other folds, and every time I hear um, that one of my friends found a place to worship, like my heart is filled with joy and relief, and I celebrate. Uh, but I know that a lot of my friends, it's just been really hard. Even if they're trying to find a place to connect, it's been difficult for them. Um, not because what we had together was harmful, but because it was beautiful, um, and it's just been hard for folks to reconnect. And I, I don't, I don't know what I'm confessing exactly. I, I don't know what my culpability is in that. Um, but my heart is broken and it's not as it should be. And so I feel like I'm confessing it, right? Trusting that God's grace can be at work there. Um, Side note, and interestingly, it's uh, when the church went away, the church remained, right? Uh, All the kind of pockets of community that we built, these little families within the church that have been built, uh, they they still hang out uh, almost every week, many of them. Um, They're still being church and family with each other, even though the church has sort of gone away. It's not just my friends who I feel like are scattered. I feel like I I live in a community that's scattered. Um, We are a part, if you haven't noticed it already, we are a part of uh, a very fast growing uh, community. Um, We just have, I feel like every time I turn around, like a field or a farm has become a subdivision. People are moving here from all over because we live in an awesome place. Like it's a fantastic community. It's a wonderful place to be. And so it just feels like people are coming in droves and that's awesome. Um, And they're sheep and they're scattered. Uh, In many cases, they've been uprooted from family and from home to move to a strange and foreign place. Uh, Maybe they're moving from college community that they had or lifelong neighbors that they've lived beside as long as they can remember uh, to come here. And, I wonder, when I look at the crowds, I wonder if if I have the compassion of Jesus, the good shepherd who calls us to shepherd the crowds in his image, right, in his way, to love and to care for and to tend and to feed his sheep. I want our church family to be a family for all these families, Uh, but that is hard and family is messy and it takes work and it takes time and when I stop long enough to consider just how much time and just how much work and, and how it might mean that things that I like are going to have to change uh, or what that's going to cost me. Uh, by the time I get to the end of that, like I'm just tired, tired and I need a nap. <laughs> um, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. I don't exactly know what I'm confessing. I don't know exactly what my culpability is in it, but I know that it's not as it should be. And so I'm going to I'm going to confess it, uh, that I have failed. We have failed to be an obedient church. I don't know what your answer is um, to that question. I don't know how you'll pray your way through that prayer, um, but this is mine. And I share that with you, not saying that it has to be yours, um, but just showing you what it might look like to do some of that work uh, for yourself. And so I would encourage you to do some of that work. And uh, when we pray this prayer together in just a second, um, and we do so a bit slowly, I would invite you to add your own uh, your own words, your own thoughts, your own heart to the prayer um, as you pray it. Uh, let's pray, let's pray these words together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, when we pray prayers like this, uh, we pray remembering uh, that it's it's not coercion that we're praying to a merciful God so we can confess with confidence in God's forgiveness. And at the point, the purpose, the outcome is not shame, but shalom. And so with that in mind, I say to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And what a gift it is that we can share those words with each other so that we can go forward to live a joyfully obedient lives. And so may that be uh, the case for you today and this week. Amen, go into peace. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith with the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, and while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay area, um, fvumc.org would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Verena United Baptist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing again soon.